Lord, we come to you, we pray that this would be a time for us to have clarity in, in what you have to say, clarity in us understanding um, who you are and how you work, Lord, clarity in just uh, our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we give you this time and we thank you and we ask your blessings upon us in Jesus' name, amen. About three years ago, I went to a high school uh, youth group reunion. And the youth group I was part of, I've talked about it a little bit before, but just a reminder, this youth group was an amazing uh, group. It was an amazing time. And, and it, within a, the first couple years that it was established, it grew to be about 1,000 students. And it was at the Garden Grove Community Church, and, which later became the Christ Cathedral. You've probably heard of the Christ Cathedral. And it was, got so big that they had to split it to two nights. So we had one group on Wednesday night and one group on Thursday night. So about three years ago, we all gathered together. I mean, not all 1,000 students, but I mean, there was a lot of us that gathered together. And it's interesting, when you have a reunion like that, what do you usually do? You start to reminisce, right? And you start to talk about the good old days, right? You've heard that phrase before. And you talk about, okay, what happened in the past? And you start reflecting upon how amazing that ministry was and how amazing it was to be a part of that. And, and the, the media uh, guys were still around, and so they had put together a media of all of the pictures when we were in high school. And it was a lot of fun to see those pictures. And what's interesting, though, is that you start to get back to that frame of mind to say, oh, if only things were like they used to be. If only things were like the days of old. See, it's not bad to reminisce to... To, re- to remember good things that happened in our past. But when we start to get to that place to where we start to think, oh, if only it could be like that again, we get in a little bit of trouble. See, this morning we are in chapter 6 of the story, and we are seeing how the Israelites have gotten to that place. They're wandering around in the desert, and they're getting tired of wandering around in the desert. And they start to think about the good old days when they were in Egypt. But what's really funny is that they weren't such good old days, were they? (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, when they were in Egypt, they were in slavery. They were put in very harsh working conditions, right? Their food had been taken away at times. They were in very difficult times, and yet somehow they're remembering it as the good old days. They keep thinking, if only we could go back to Egypt, it was so much better then. Was it really better? It wasn't. But to them, it was better than being in the desert and wandering around. So this morning, we're going to talk about how God takes us in uh, wandering times and what God does in those wandering times and why God does it. We left off last week with God's people uh, having escaped the Egyptians' armies, right? You remember that uh, Moses, with his staff and God's power, parted the Red Sea and And the people walked across safely, and then as the Egyptian army came after them, the waters came down upon the Egyptian armies and killed them. And then they made their way to to Mount Sinai, where God said that they would worship. They would know that God had done all this when they got there. They received the word of the Lord, right? But now they're living, or they see the Ten Commandments, Remember the Ten Commandments? They had got the laws of God, the commands of God. Um, God put down how they were to live, giving them guidelines on how to live. And then 
they were told that they were going to be going to the promised land. But it was going to take 40 years to get to the promised land. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? Someone told you that something really great was going to happen in your life, but they said, you have to wait 40 years till it's going to come. You might say, well, you shouldn't have told me until maybe like, you know, a month before I was going to get it, right? Don't tell me 40 years before I'm going to get something, because now I'm going to be anticipating that for 40 years. That, that anticipation sometimes even more difficult. So they're wandering around in the desert. They're living in their desert, and they're physically, mentally, emotionally, and they're having trouble. They're, they're, they're struggling with what is going to happen to them, right? They just are tired of wandering around, and they begin to think of the good old days. And they say, if only we had meat to eat. Remember, God brought down the manna, right? And they're eating manna after manna after manna, okay? If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. I know from time to time, my children who are off in college, they'll say, oh, if only you know, we could have mom's cooking, right? <laughs> they miss that cooking. They think about those meals, right? And here, the Israelites are thinking back in their time in Egypt and some of the good foods that they had in Egypt, and they're just eating manna, manna, manna. Because remember, they were hungry, so they said, God, we give us food, and so God gave them manna. I mean, God was really generous to them, right? He did a great work in giving them manna, and now they're complaining that all they're getting is manna. They'd rather be back in slavery or think that they would be better off back in slavery than be free from the Egyptians and free to worship God. And they were crying out to God regularly like this. So Moses goes to God, and Moses says, God, please, will you answer? I mean, they're grumbling, they're grumbling. And in fact, <laughs> Moses is funny at this point. He's, uh, he says to God, God, if it's going to keep being like this, if the people are just going to keep grumbling like this, just kill me. And that's, he says that to God. He says, God, I can't deal with, it's tough to be a leader, right? <laughs> He's like, God, I can't deal with it. All they're doing is grumbling and complaining. I don't want to lead these people anymore. Just kill me. And of course, God says, no, 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 no. I have a plan for you. You're going to be the leader. and You know, everything's going to work out, right? So God agrees to help the people. Tells them, though, to the people, he says, you have to consecrate yourself before you're going to receive this meat. Now, to consecrate yourself means that you're going to dedicate your heart and your mind to God. You're going to, you're going to humble yourself before God, and you're going to try to remove yourself of your sins, and you're going to try to get in that right place so we can receive what God has for you. That's what it means to consecrate yourself. So God says you're going to consecrate your heart to the Lord so that you'll be in the right place, so that when you receive this, you'll have the right place attitude. And he says they're going to get meat for a month. Well, then we receive the response. Uh, Moses hears and answers, or Moses makes his request. God hears and angers, but then we're told in the scriptures that God is angry at his people, and we're told why he's angry at his people. He says, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and you have wailed before him, saying, and read with me the underlying part, why did we ever leave Egypt? See what's going on? See what's going on? They can't be satisfied with God. They can't trust that God is going to provide for them. So all they're doing is they're wailing and they're grumbling and they're complaining because they don't 
have what they think they want and need, right? They never can be satisfied with what God gives them. They want this, and God gives it to them. You know, give me food, he gives them manna, then they're not happy, right? And so God says, or we remember uh, Paul's words, really powerful, wonderful words, in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, and read the underlying part with me when we get to it. Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, if you know Paul's life, you know that he was in some good times and some really, really bad times, whatever situation I am, to be content. Read with me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, when we get to that place when we're content, then we actually believe that God can do what God needs to do. God will do for us what he wants to do. God will guide us and lead us to that place he wants us to be. When we are content, we are ready for God to work in and through our lives. But when we are not content, then we are subject to that frame of mind that we never can be satisfied. And so no matter what we are given, no matter what we receive, no matter what we do, we will not be content in life. Not be content in life. But more trouble is brewing because Aaron and Miriam, Moses' brother and sister, start getting jealous. They get jealous of Moses. They don't like that Moses is getting all this attention. They don't like that Moses gets to meet with God face to face. And so they start complaining that Moses gets to do all of this. If, ever, if you have siblings, you kind of know that, right? If you have a sibling, you know that sometimes, well, mom, they got this, and, and I don't get this, right? And there's a, like, like complaining, right? You start comparing what you have. You know, and as a parent, you try to say, okay, it's got to be, be even, right? Okay, is that pie cut just perfectly right? Are they going to complain? Right? There's this grumbling going on about siblings, right? And that's what's going on here. Moses' uh, sister and brother, Aaron and Miriam, are complaining that he is the leader and that he is uh, getting all the attention and all the glory. But we're told that Moses is a humble man. And in fact, because of Moses' humility is the reason why God has chosen Moses to be the leader. Moses understands that he needs to relinquish himself to God, let the power of God, let the work of God happen. He is a faithful servant. He relies on God's power, not his own. And for the most part, when God tells him to do what God directs him to do as a faithful servant, he does it. Many years ago, uh, when we moved to Colorado, I got a job in Colorado. And we went to Colorado, and Tammy's grandmother came with us. And she came to help. And she was a big help in a lot of ways. She helped Tammy around the house, and she was a good support to Tammy. But one day, I came home from work. And I was surprised when I saw doilies. I mean, doilies were everywhere under everything. And I said to Tammy, where did these doilies come from? These aren't our doilies, right? This is our house, right? Yes, this is our house. Where did these doilies come from? Well, my grandmother's been busy all day putting them under everything. She brought them with her. Did she ask you if she could put the doilies? No, she just started putting them out. And then on top of that, I found out she put plastic under the sheets on our beds to protect the, sh the bed, right? Have you ever slept on plastic? 
every time you move, it just makes noise, right? It's very, I mean, even if you just like sit on it a little bit, it makes noise, right? So I'm like, no, Tammy, this, this can't happen. This can't happen. So we call a meeting with her grandmother. She was downstairs, we're upstairs, so we call a meeting. Her grandmother comes upstairs, and she walks. she's walking like a teenager in trouble, head down, knowing that she did something she shouldn't have done, right? We sat down, we're like, we, we have to remove these doilies. I'm sorry, we can't have these doilies. And we have to take the plastic off. The, we don't need the plastic. You know. So we had a conversation. But I tell you that story because I just imagine that when Moses and Aaron and Miriam were called into the tent of meeting to meet with God, Moses, uh, Aaron and Miriam kind of had their head down, right? They knew they had done wrong, complaining to God about Moses. And God says to Miriam and Aaron, he says, why, if you knew that Moses was my faithful servant and that I had called him, why were you then not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? If you understood that I'd see, maybe you didn't understand this, Miriam, Aaron. Maybe you didn't understand, I have called Moses. He is my leader. You need to not speak against your leader. You need to respect this leader that I have called and that I have set up and put in charge. So he's reprimanding them. And God, actually, because of that, uh, Miriam becomes leprous. And Aaron sees this, and Aaron immediately repents. Oh, God, so, you know, he's afraid what's going to happen to him next, right? Oh, God, please, sorry, I, forgive me. I'm sorry, sorry, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said anything. Please forgive me. And Moses says, oh, God, please heal Miriam of her leprosy. And God says, okay, but she's going to be leprous for seven days as an example of the sin that happened. You need to respect Moses as your leader. And so he at least was able to stop the complaining and the grumbling from Aaron and Miriam, but the people were still grumbling and complaining. But see, here we have an example of sin and repentance. Aaron and Miriam, they sinned, but they repented, and God forgave them. But how often we see people in their pride that when they're confronted with their sin, they don't repent. They get more prideful. They complain more. They blame God more. They don't get humble. They don't ask for forgiveness. So I ask you, are you one who humbles yourself when confronted with your sin and receives that confronting, receives that reprimanding, humble yourself and ask for God's forgiveness? Or do you rise up in your pride and say all the more, God, why is this happening? We need to have a humble attitude Humble ourselves before God. Well, the wandering continues, and at one point, uh, Moses sends 12 spies into the land of Canaan. This is the land that they will ultimately possess, the promised land that God has promised to them. And he sends them out. They're gone for 40 days. They come back 40 days later, and Caleb is the first to speak. He's all excited. He's like, oh, Man, this is a great land. This is going to be a great land for us. We can possess it just as... Yeah, there's big people and there's a lot of scary people, but you know what? With God's help, we can take care. And Caleb is all excited and he's, you know, really gung-ho. Just as God said, we need to go in that land. It's a great land for us. And then some of the other spies speak. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. These, these are like giants. 
They devour everyone in the land. And they start talking. And in their talking, they cause the people to be fearful and to be anxious. They bring their fear and their anxiety into the people. They forgot this God who saved them from Egypt, all the plagues that happened. They forgot this God who led them through the Red Sea. They forgot this God who's provided for them while they've been in the desert. They forgot this God who has done all these things for them. And they're forgetting that God, and they're looking at the giants, and they're saying, we cannot go in there. We will die. And they're putting their fear onto the people. They're putting their anxiety You know, that happens to us sometimes, doesn't it? If you've ever been around people who are fearful, that can create you to be fearful. If you've ever been around people who are anxious, their anxiety can come upon you. And whenever you're around someone who's fearful, whenever you're around someone who's anxious, instead of letting that transfer into you, you need to say, God, I need to remember who you are. I need to remember how you are with me. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be anxious. In fact, you can help them not to be afraid. You can help them not to be anxious because you can share your God with them. The God who watches over you and protects you. See, we walk in faith in the will of God, and when we do that, we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be anxious. There's a great statement by Ivan. You know, right now, they're in this wandering stage. And it could easily be a time when they could be fearful, they could be anxious. What's going to happen with us? Or it's a time when they can just humble themselves for God and say, God, in faith, we we know you have a plan. Even though it's not clear at this moment, even though we're wandering in the desert, you will have a plan for us that will be amazing and wonderful. And that we trust. And so Moses and Caleb and Joshua and Aaron, they humble themselves and they fall down before the Lord. And they say... That's the other one. They say this. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, read with me, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. They're telling the people this, right? Because they have fear and they have anxiety. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Why are they not to be afraid? Because the Lord is with us. And in that, we will have victory. They don't have any protection like we have protection. We have the Lord on our side. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What great words these are. Great words of hope and power, words that lead us into the sovereign will of God, words that help us to trust in the Lord and remember that it is God who gives us hope, that God gives us peace, God gives us strength, God gives us direction, and we know that when the Lord is with us, we need not be afraid. And so the 40 years is coming to an end, and they're getting ever closer to entering the promised land And Moses begins to talk to them, to remind them of all the things that God God has done for them, reminding them of how God has promised this land to them, and reminding them of the things they need to be focused on as they enter this land and are prepared to live for God in the promised land. 
He reminds them of the, how God blessed the work they had done. You know, this is important. A lot of times we do work, and we think, you know, that's just my work, right? But if we're really walking in the will of God, if we're really walking in faith, then the work we do is blessed by God. And we need to remember that all that we do and all that we are successful at is God's doing. And we need to give thanks and praise to God for this. God has enabled us to do it and blessed us in our doing it. Secondly, God has watched over their journey. Even though it seemed like you were wandering for 40 years, there was a purpose to that wandering. There was a purpose. See, he reminds them that as he's watching over the journey, God has given them the decrees and commands, and they need to work, needed to work that out. They need to understand what it meant to be a people of God, what it mean, meant to be a nation. They need to understand how they need to govern themselves and, and be strong in and of themselves, because if there's infighting, then there's no way they could stand against any other nation when they entered the land of Canaan. They needed to be strong as a nation. God was humbling them and drawing them to himself, and God was preparing them to be the people they needed to be so when they entered the land of Canaan around all these other strong nations that they could be strong themselves. And as we get to the end of the chapter, we see that the next generation is ready to enter the land of Canaan. See, it's the next generation. This one generation because of their sin and their grumbling and complaining, God said, you're not going to go into the promised land. And Moses was not going to lead them in the promised land. And Moses knew that. And so Moses prayed to the Lord. And he said, please, Lord, find a leader that can lead the people into the promised land. And he stands on the hill and he looks over at the land and he says, God, that's the land you have for our people and I know you will provide the leader. And God says to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership. I have placed the spirit of leadership in Joshua and lay your hand on him. Give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. They have now finally come to obey you and understand that you are my leader. Now, Joshua is to be the new leader. As you lay your hand on him, you are passing on your authority to him and they will obey him. They will look to him now as the new leader. Joshua is the leader for the new people to move forward. Not look back to Egypt. Look forward. God has called Joshua just as he has called Moses. See, we are called. We are all called with a purpose. If you don't believe that, then I want to say that again. We are all called with a purpose. Every single one of you in this room has a purpose from God. Some of you are called to be leaders in the church. Some are called to be active in the ministries and to do the work of God in the church. We're all called with a purpose as the people of God. And we need to trust God and follow God and walk into this purpose that God has for us. See, we need to remember that when God calls us, God always enables us. When God calls us, he always enables us to whatever he has called us to do. In fact, sometimes he calls you before you realize he's enabled you. 
That's really interesting. Maybe some of you experienced that. Maybe you've been called into a leadership position or a teaching position, and you don't feel prepared to do that. But then you do it anyway because you feel God's call. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that went really well. <laughs> that was great. Every, that was good. Why? Because when you faithfully walked forward, God blessed you and anointed you and prepared you and enabled you to do what you were called to do. See, God's arms are long enough and strong enough to make it happen for us. And so as a people of God, as a children of God, as a church of God, we need to trust that God will enable us to do what we're called to do. Sometimes we're going to feel like we're wandering. In fact, we're kind of in a little bit of a wandering stage right now, trying to find our purpose in the community. And in that time of wandering, God is preparing us. God is humbling us. God is saying, are you going to trust me? I will enable you to do what I call you to do. Are you willing to do whatever I ask you to do? And when we finally get to that place to where we say, yes, God, I'm, I'm ready. Whatever, whatever you want, God, I will do. Whatever you want, God, we will do. And then God says, now you're ready. And then he makes it clear, and he moves you forward, and he enables you to do what he calls you to do. Let us pray.